When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with none other than Agent Smith, who's in the house. Mr. Bilyeu. What is up, my man? You know, it's been a while since I've seen you. It has. Like, we literally, you were out sick, and then I've been traveling, and then I've been in prep mode all day today. So, so this is really like the first time we've gotten to, to yeah, spend some time. This is our time. one-on-one time. I'm taking yeah, it. This is good. This is good. So uh, today we are talking about none other than your favorite, my favorite, yeah. everyone's favorite millennial philosopher, yes. Ryan Holiday. Millennial philosopher. I like yeah, that. Is yeah. that like a title he's got or do you just I give don't that know. to him? I think. Are I you think coining we, that we right now? We put that in our email. Yeah. Millennial philosopher. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, that's really what he is. Yeah. He's, 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 he's really impressive too because he's gone from marketing to writing and mm. there's a lot with stoicism and he's just had a kind of eclectic career so no far. No question. Be interesting to see where he goes next. Yes. Yes, it will actually. Actually, yeah. yeah, I would be really surprised if he didn't just keep writing as like his primary thing. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see if his business endeavors change at all. But um, yeah, I can't see him not writing. Definitely. Well, welcome everyone. This is After Impact, the show where we unpack the impact of this week's episode with Ryan Holiday. Um, if you've maybe you've seen the Inside Quest episode of Ryan Holiday, Mayhap. which is uh, yeah, way back in the day. That's a good one. Um, and this one, I th- I'm going to say this one's better. Yeah, I'll agree with yeah. that. Like I, I went and rewatched the old Inside Quest episode and I thought it was really good. And I wanted to make sure that we covered new territory here. But he's changed. I've changed. So it was a whole a whole new take. And yeah. uh, I don't think we retread anything. Really, really liked it. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your history with Ryan. I know you guys go back a little bit. And uh, why you're so fascinated with the way that he thinks. I think there's there are certain people that are just 
really, really um, systematic in their thinking. Yeah. If this, then this, then this, and this. And it's just like this straight cascade. It seems totally devoid of emotion, but absolute clarity into the human condition. And he's one of those guys. And he was like the first guy that I sat down with that I just thought, man, like the way you think is so like... It um, it reminds me of what Ray Dalio says, which is, hey, if somebody doesn't have experience, just follow their logic. And you can still see if they've got a worthwhile thinking pattern around mm-hmm. the issue or not. And he's one of those guys that feel like you could give him any topic and he's going to be able to give you logic. He might not be able to give you experience, but he'll be able to break it down and say like, mm-hmm. okay, this is why I think this. This leads to this. This leads to that. And I it makes me wonder, like, I must approach thinking in a totally different way because there is something about like hearing him i'm like wow there's so much clarity in that and i really like it yeah it's what i aspire to yeah i hear that yeah i definitely want to get there where it's just everything is systematic and logical Mm. i like i love his his thought patterns too and i want to ask um so he said that what he writes about are the things that he wish he would have learned in life that nobody taught him in school or, or wherever and it's sort of the guide to a good life or, yeah. um, you know, taking philosophy and applying it to life. So I want to ask you, what are some of the things that you wish you would have learned in school or growing up? It's interesting. So um, I, I know my answer to my answer. I am not vamping to buy time because I always answer this the same way. And it's interesting how often people ask this type of question. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's them groping for what are all the things that they might be blind to that they like don't want another day to go by. Yeah. For me, it was, and I've talked a lot about this on the show and, and elsewhere, what you build your self-esteem around matters. And if I had learned that earlier, it really would have sped me up. Because once I stopped thinking of myself as smart and trying to feel good about being smart or being right, mm-hmm. um, that really made me make weird decisions. And that insight into that at the end of the day, all we're all trying to do is feel good about ourselves. And that the only thing about life that really matters is what do you think about yourself when you're all alone? And if I had understood earlier that the very thing that I value myself on is a choice and that I can make a different choice and I can make a choice that ultimately is empowering that the more like I stare at the things that I'm doing wrong and the more that I look for ways to get better and improve, the more that I focus on learning that that could, that act, not the accomplishment. That's what I really want to make sure people understand. It's not about the accomplishment that comes from doing that. It is the mere willingness to sit inside the pain of realizing that you're not yet good enough at something. So like earlier today, we were having a meeting and I was asking people for feedback on my interview style. And I was like, I really want you guys to know and understand. Like, I want to know, like, what are the things I'm not doing well? Like, let's not waste any time thinking about the things that I am because what will allow me to have a sense of pride is being willing to like take it to say, okay, I could do better there. I could do better there. I'm really messing this up, whatever the case may be. And then also there's a knock-on effect of, and then I actually get better because I now recognize a hole in my game. So I've put so much around that actually being a moment of pride for me Mm -hmm. that I think that a lot of my success is born out of that. Do you think people get stuck at like, so definitely people get stuck at not being able to take feedback or criticism Mm -hmm. um, and they don't seek it out. Um, But then I think, do you think people get stuck at the stage of, okay, I welcome feedback and criticism and then I take it and I accept it, but then I don't do anything about it? hundred percent. And why do you think that is? Dude, what is it about action, man? Like people, yeah. so this is one of those things that 
I, I ended up doing Alexa content around this and I broke it down and, you know, here are the things you need to do to mm -hmm. actually make yourself take action because my temptation is to say it's the one thing where I have like my initial response is just fucking do it. Like, I, what more words do you want? Like, go now, do it. Yeah. Uh, and it seems so absurd to me that people have to be like poked and prodded into actually taking action on the things that they want in their own life. So, <laughs> but I get frustrated when an answer to like the how do you do this would be so meaningful to me and somebody doesn't have it. Um, so why people don't have the, like, they don't have the impetus to take action. I actually don't understand. And so when I break it down from a biological perspective, I believe that we are an active species. Meaning if you set us in a room, while we have a competing desire to be thrifty with our calories and we're not going to overexplore or just go crazy, I think that we do explore our environment and then try to master it. And I just think that's the way that humans are. And so that's the default setting. So when I encounter people that aren't taking steps, I'm like, okay, is this the, a reaction to a modern context? Like it's been, not a modern context, but it's been beaten out of them as they've gotten older. Like we trained them through the school system to like keep your head down, do as little work as possible to fit in. And so they've lost touch with all those things that made them excited to be active in the beginning. Is it that or... Is it something else? I don't know. But the, the process, just to wrap this up, the process to taking action is, one, it needs to be something that you're excited about. Two, mm -hmm. it's got to be start with small steps. Um, three, make sure that you involve somebody else. So I tell you, like, hey, uh, I really want to start taking dance class. So, dude, come with me. Let's do this together, yeah. right? And then four, tie your identity to it. So I said I was going to do it, and I'm going to do it, and I'm the type of person that follows through with what I say I'm going to do. So that that is how you take action, but then I still know where the fall down is, which is that if somebody, like, they'll just stop themselves from saying that they're going to do it. They'll stop themselves from eliciting the buddy. So even though they know what they should be doing, yeah. they're still not going to. Yeah. So... I don't know what to do with that. Interesting, interesting. All right. Um, one of the things from the episode that I love that Ryan said is when he's writing, he's usually writing to himself from the past to, t to teach himself in the past, like things he didn't know. Right. Um, and he said he's, it's not even like 10 years ago. It'll sometimes be just two years ago. And so I wanted to ask you, I know you've talked a lot about your transformation over the last couple of decades, but like, are there things that you would tell yourself now from just two years ago? Yeah, I mean, every every day, like from 120 days ago, right? I yeah. didn't have principles. And yeah. so for sure. And for me, the hope is every day you're getting at least something small. Now, it's it's pretty rare that you get like those really big watershed moments where it's like, you know, I can plant a flag in principles and say it's the single most important business book I've ever read ever in my life. Now, I put it in, you know, it's like position, I don't know, five or six or something on the list um, and there's actually a case for making it even lower than that because there's so many things you need to read before that book is really going to hit you like a ton of bricks. But for me, dude, nothing in a business context, nothing's ever hit me like that. Like that, that to me is like, they might as well be stone tablets, like brought down from the mount. <laughs> like there's so much just truth in that. Yeah. And because of my experience, because of the mistakes that I've historically made, because of the places that I've fallen down and have wrestled with and like found myself coming to directionally correct answers, but have been met with a failure of imagination. And when I read his book, I realized I didn't think big enough. And that was it. And so to, it's like when the first guy 
Roger Bannister breaks the four minute mile and no one has the excuse anymore of your heart's going to explode. Like hearing him describe what he did, if somebody said, this is what I'm going to do, I would say that's impossible. Humans can't do that. Mm -hmm. And he's done it. So it's like, oh, well, I guess they can. So it was like so empowering. Um, Other things, ah, that's probably the one that like from just a really recent thing. Um, Impact theory is certainly an evolutionary step around you can make the mandate that the thing you love is at the center of your life. Um, Quest was my first step towards that, but it wasn't like the full Mm -hmm. cycle of that evolution. And this feels certainly uh, much closer. And it's possible that there's another um, step closer and that I'll learn that and be telling myself. But yeah, I'm... I, I actually don't use his thing of like, oh, I'm speaking to myself in the past. I'm always talking to somebody that I know right now. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, here's a question. So to, to go to your point of, you know, Quest was a step closer to sort of making something that's ideal in your world or something that you love at the center of your universe. Um, Ryan talks a lot about like you, what does your ideal day look like mm. and to fashion your um, daily life off of that ideal. And if you have too many days in a row that don't look like it, then you're kind of on the wrong path. So what would you say to someone who needs to build, build and grow in order to get to that ideal day? So like they know what their ideal day is, but they're so far away from an ex- experience and skill perspective that there's a lot that they have to do that's not going to look like that ideal day for a long yeah. time. So it, it really, I think there's so much um, positive neurochemistry in hope and that you have to build a path to that and that path is the hope. So you need to identify it, what that day looks like. You need to work backwards to get to where you are and then understand like what those steps are. And then once you're actually able to execute against them, then you can really gamify the experience of getting there, like mm. that you're getting closer, that you're, you know, whatever those metrics are going to be, if it's money saved or whatever, like suddenly knowing that you're saving towards the creation of your ideal day makes it way easier to make payments. Like I remember when I was paying down my college debt, I was like, towards the end, you get really amped up because you're like, well, if I put, you know, another like 50 bucks on this, like, you know, that's like chipping away at my principal. And then, so you can really start to get excited and Mm -hmm. gamified and you start watching that number and obsessing over it. And so if, if they have the clarity of that path and then they know that they're actually taking steps towards that and there's a quantifiable, um, thing that they're doing that they can really see the progress i think that that will give them the hope that they need to know that they're making progress if it was like binary and i'm going to work in a vacuum for the next 10 years and then either i've gotten there or i haven't but i have no sense as i'm getting closer that would be a nightmare Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't have the hope and you wouldn't have the gamification that you need to actually keep going and progressing and you know i think that's why it is so true that one of the most foundational building blocks to fulfillment is progress and really tangibly being able to feel that. And I think that people can put up with a lot of suffering when they know like, whoa, I just took a step. I just took a step. I just took a step. And I've thought a lot about this with like losing fat. If you could see it in real time, like while you were, let's say, running or pedaling, like if you could actually see yourself getting leaner, like people would go harder. And that's why people do things like distance and mm-hmm. calories. Like in their mind, they're equating that to, oh, that's, I'm going to lose fat or whatever because of that. But if it were like for real and direct, 
people would really go crazy. Yeah, and you even see that with um, you know wearables uh, that will count your steps. Like yep. People get really into that because it's something they can hold on to mm. and grasp, something a little bit more tangible. Um, all right, so this brings up another question that, or another topic from the episode that I thought was really incredible, which is uh, the paradox of you have to sell your freedom in order to one day buy it back. And mm. then switching that and thinking about, well, is there a way I can access that freedom without taking that step? And can right. I have it now? And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because you're someone who's very ambitious and who has very, very big goals and are going to re- it's going to require you to work and to sell your freedom in a sense to get to that place. But so how does that, how does that make you think about um, people who may not have that same situation? Is there a way that they can sort of craft a, a world or a life that is ideal for them without having to, to sell the freedom. Yeah. I mean, this comes back to what we were already talking about, which is you can make the demand that at the center of your life is that thing that you care about. Right. Yeah. And so we just interviewed Tony Hawk and he's talked really powerfully about this, um, saying that at the end of the day, you, it's better to eke out a living doing something that you love than it is to make a lot of money doing something that you hate. And I know people hear that over and over and over, and that's why one of my missions is to get people to understand the game you're playing is neurochemistry, period. That's it. Nothing else. Like, if I give you $10 billion, but you want to commit suicide, like, do you honestly think, like, that the money is meaningful in some way? Right. It, it, it's just not. Like, it doesn't matter. It's like what matters is how you feel about yourself. So, you know, and conversely, if you have no money, but you feel fulfilled and like you matter and you're just stoked on your life, like that is what matters. So once people understand that, that, oh, within the framework of things, I have either unintentionally or intentionally chosen to believe where I think I have to impress a lot of other people and that I think my only value comes from worldly success and all of those things, then Yes, it may seem like it's going to be very difficult to create your ideal life. But in reality, it's probably a lot easier than you think. And just like ask yourself, what are things that have delivered real tangible value in your life for real? Mm. So and if you've never been wealthy, then it's like, well, you've had these beautiful moments in your life and they clearly had nothing to do with money. So now just make the demand. Hey, you can still chase after money, but just make it around something that triggers that sense of fulfillment and happiness in the moment. And so I was just doing um, a talk yesterday, in fact, which is if my voice sounds a little hoarse, uh, I did one of my endless Q&As. And that was basically one of the questions like, um, you know, I'm, I'm making all this money, I'm just hella burned out, like, what do I do? Like, how do I find that thing that's just gonna light me on fire? And I said, do the honest answer, and you're not gonna like this. But the honest answer is go out and um, do something rad for somebody in like a sustained fashion. And so I told the story of Rashawn and talked about mm-hmm. how for eight and a half years I big brothered for this kid and you know how it planted a seed in me and that ultimately ends up being impact theory. And as I was saying it, I was like, I've never answered the question like this, but like looking at this guy in that particular place, because he was very financially successful, and really asking myself, like, what would it take for a guy who's like, he's in that moment where he's got all the money in the world, and he's had all the worldly success, but now it's not a question of where I can say, put that thing that you love at the center of your life, because he doesn't know what he loves. Yeah. He has no idea. And 
how do you immediately get somebody to have like a big response? And so I was like, take your skill set, which happened to be real estate, and go do something amazing for somebody. Help somebody in low income find a beautiful home in an amazing neighborhood that they can afford. Help them with just do hard paperwork. Make, you know, one out of every 10 deals that you close. Go help somebody who's, you know, struggling to get a home loan just because they don't understand the paperwork, or whatever. Work with them. Like there are things that you could be doing for people with your skill set that would bring an immeasurable amount of joy to their life. And then all of a sudden would do the same thing for you and you'd have a deep sense of fulfillment. And you may also find, actually, there's a whole nother skill set that I want to go out and acquire so that I can help people with it. But like when you start thinking like that, like what, what's really going to happen to me from a neurochemical standpoint, then you can really build a life that you'll enjoy. That's super interesting. Yeah. So you would say go, go help someone else and not, I thought your, your answer was going to be. Um, go out and dabble in a lot of different things and find that thing that lights you on fire or build it, as you say. You don't find your passion, you build it. 100%. And there is like the process of finding a, like when somebody says, how do I find my passion? Mm -hmm. That's the right answer. When somebody is saying, I've, I started doing this thing because I loved it. I've now had all the worldly success. I've totally like emotionally just plateaued on this. I don't give a shit anymore. Like he's going to find himself back in that same situation. So he may go through a cycle again, like, Hey, go find something new, encounter it, see if it turns into a fascination, go gain mastery, see if it becomes a passion, but he's going to end up right back there again. Mm. Because what he doesn't know how to do is take the skills that he's gained and put it to use in service of somebody else mm. to do some rad shit. And to get that feedback of like, dude, you really helped me. You changed my life. You made this possible. Like, I can't believe you did this. Like, thank you so much. And, we, we are wired for that. Humans are just wired for it. Like, uh, I'm not passing a judgment. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it is. We're a social animal. We're all wired for that. It's super rad. Mm -hmm. And when you can see that you've impacted somebody's life, it's just going to feel good. So that, that sense of like numbness that he's at where it's like, ah, this used to be amazing for me. And chasing the money used to be cool. And now just none of it's cool anymore. And so what do I do? Like the answer to that situation is, go serve somebody else. And I, I need a better word for that because that, that feels like uh, lame to me. But it, l the words are lame to me, but the sentiment is super powerful. Yeah, yeah, I totally get it. What, why do you think it is that people, that, that we prioritize money first when there may be something that you're really passionate about that doesn't require that you lead a certain life, that you could just stop pursuing those other things right now and just be happy. Why do you think we get so trapped by that? Well, so there's a very real answer to this one. And, um, Ryan talks about this in the episode. He says, it's really hard to say no to money. Yeah. And he is absolutely right. But now let's ask, why is it really hard to say no to money? And the answer is because money's powerful mm. and people will always chase money and they will chase money because money's real. And money is a great facilitator. And people will do things for you for money. You can buy time with money. You can buy things with money. Um, and especially you think security too. You think people are chasing security? Um, it depends on where they are on the yeah. threshold. Um, but also they're chasing status. Like there's a lot of things that they're chasing that will give them uh, momentary happiness, mm. right? So the high status 
is a dopamine bump every time someone new uh, comes into your world and sees your status for the first time. Like, and you're like, oh yeah, shit. And you get that dopamine rush. Now, when you're by yourself, again, none of that, none of it matters. But for that moment, like, whoa, that was cool, right? And that's why people get cool cars. Yep. It's like every time, so, oh man, your car is fucking amazing. And I remember one time I rented a Lamborghini for my dad, right? And because, <laughs> nice. dude, I couldn't give a shit about cars. Like, yeah, I just your dad literally really don't into care. cars, right? My dad is way into yeah, cars. Yeah. And so this was like my chance, like, man, it would not exactly speaking someone's love language, but it was like, dad, I understand you. I know what you love. I know what stokes you out. And so we're going to have this rad day. And we're going to, like, I'm going to rent this Lambo, and you're going to get to drive it down PCH and, like, gun it <laughs> yeah. and everything, which, by the way, he fucking loved. That's awesome. And we would stop at, like, a gas station, and people would be like, whoa, man, this car, it's so amazing. And so they're just, like, fawning all over it. And if, like, that's your thing, like, it's not my thing. And I was still like, wow, this is pretty cool, right? Because <laughs> yeah. people are, like, tripping out yeah, over yeah. it. And so... That's money, man. Money has all this cool shit that it comes with. Sure. The, the problem is people think that it's going to change the way they feel about themselves, and it doesn't. So it doesn't touch that. Like a bowl of ice cream will cheer you up, but it doesn't make you feel better about yourself. So it's rad. It's a fun experience. And then it goes away. And then there's like, oh, I shouldn't have had that bowl of ice cream, right? So that's <laughs> that like was this. was me last night. <laughs> exactly, right? It's like this yeah. weird fucking spiral. It's so mm. bizarre. So... That's, that's why people chase the money. That's why you're never going to be able to convince people to not chase money. And mm. then like take someone like myself where I've been poor and I've been rich. And I'll just tell you right now, rich is better. But it wasn't what I expected, right? So I thought it would change the way that I perceive myself. It doesn't, but it really does make things possible, right? So I'll give you a really stupid example because it's in the corner of my eye. There is a big fuck off Impact Theory logo behind us which I just threw money at. I wanted a big logo. Mm -hmm. I wanted like, I wanted yeah, to brand yeah. the shit out of it. Yeah. And I didn't have to ask permission. I just threw money at it. And there's a thousand things. One of, one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. My mom's uh, husband essentially had heart surgery and they were stuck in the hospital. Like they had discharged and he'd been in the hospital now for a while. And they said, you're discharged. But like their flight was like not for two or three more days. And he was like claustrophobic and wanted to get the hell out of the hospital, but they couldn't afford to change their flight. So I'm talking to my mom and, you know, she's telling me the deal. And, like, you know, she's obviously very emotional because he's emotional and she just wants to, like, fix the problem. And I was like, Mom, a car is on its way to pick you up. I've booked you um, tickets on a flight on a nearby airport. You're, you leave in like four hours or whatever. And she just burst into tears and she's like, you're my superhero. And I was like... I, literally the last 10 years of working like a dog were worth that one moment yeah. and brought to you by money. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it's like their money does amazing shit. Yeah. So people are always going to chase it. It really is powerful. Um, but they have to be careful to understand what it really is. And it just facilitates things you want to make come true. So when you have something beautiful that you're trying to bring into the world and that you that thing you're trying to bring into the world that you're really fighting for every day and it also has a chance to make you money let's say that you fight for that for 20 years and you never make the money but you believed in it and it was fun and you mm -hmm. fought for it and it brought more energy than it took away then it doesn't matter right like it kind of sucks okay yeah you could have done more and it could have been bigger and all that but you still loved it you still had a great time 
So that to me is like, I'm not saying don't chase money. I'm chasing money right now. So, but I know what I'm trying to build with it. And the act of generating it makes me feel good about myself because I'm helping people. And then the more that we have, the more that we can do. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's go to a couple of comments from the YouTube page. This is from Biddly Boo One. Biddly Boo, that is Biddly amazing. Boo One. Uh, when I grow up, I want to be Ryan Holiday. Don't we all? I'm 26. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, all right, this one's from Melissa Lacour. Uh, when he talked about the boss that yells at everything, yells about everything, that totally hit home. This is 100% my boss, which is why I'm numb to the yelling at this point and take my own risk and really don't value his viewpoint. And at this point, why one of my 2018 goals is to not be managed by him anymore. Yeah. So what did you, um, I really liked that example. And, and, and Ryan was talking about how you uh, deploy emotions strategically, mm. which I thought was really cool. And I wanted to um, get your take on it and how often you sort of use this in your own <laughs> world. Uh, we're in the advanced class now. Um, I think it's, it's really important I used it a lot pre-principles. I don't know how much I would use it now. Mm. I won't say that my life moving forward will be devoid of theatricality because sometimes you, even if it's the truth, the truth needs to be performed in a way that people can hear and it gets their attention. Um, but I think that it's it's a far less effective strategy than building out a team that is always honest at all times and everybody's saying exactly what they mean that people know where they have credibility and where they don't um, and what Ryan is talking about is is something that historically I used a lot where I wouldn't let myself react in anger if I was actually angry so if you saw me displaying anger it's because inside I was calm um, and I knew that that was what I needed to like get everyone's attention. Like yeah. when I was working the production line and I had all these guys and they were thugs and everything, I knew like sometimes a show of force was exactly what they needed to like have some respect to fall in. They were so used to it, right? Not mm -hmm. that it's the ultimate strategy, just that where they were at that point in their life, that's what they were used to. That's what they knew. So they would have a somewhat Pavlovian response to it. And so it was very effective um, and it got people to pay attention. But at the end of the day, now what I'm trying to build, I wouldn't use that. I won't say I'll never use it. The principles is too new to me to make that kind of statement. But looking forward, I'll say it doesn't seem like it would be effective. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, Ryan said that he reads the Amazon reviews of his books. Mm -hmm. And it's not a way to punish himself, but it's a way that he actually tries to get better. And he takes the criticism or the praise and goes through his own filtering system and decides, um, how do I move forward on my next book? How do I improve in certain areas? So it was interesting because you asked him how, do, like, I, I can't remember what you asked him, but it was something along the lines of how does that not become like self-flagellation? And he said, because the, you know, it's in the past, in the past. And, and it was just a small sort of throwaway comment, but Hidden in that was like the past is dead. It's over. It doesn't matter anymore. All I'm worried about is what happened and how can I move forward from it. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I don't think it's something we talk about a lot, um, but this sort of I think it's like the power of now is the book that's all about the past Cartole, is dead. Yeah, yeah Cartoli. So what so what Ryan said exactly in the episode is I can't change the past, 
And the filtering mechanism that I have is what was I trying to do? And would taking their advice move me closer to what I was trying to do or move me away from it? Because he said a lot of the feedback you're going to get actually is aimed at a different outcome than what you wanted. Yeah. And so I thought that was really powerful. And like to your point about the power of now, in acknowledging that there's nothing you can do about that, what it does for me is it lets me off the emotional hook. There's no point in beating myself up over it because it's done. So if the beating myself up over it was is meant to punish me for something that I can't undo, does that help me make sure that I don't make the mistake in the future? Because if it does, then I will punish mm. myself. But if it doesn't, then I'm not going to. And there probably is a little bit of like letting yourself feel the sting that's important to make sure you don't repeat that mistake. Mm. Um, you know, there have been a few times in my life that I came into something underprepared and I so sat in the the absolute agony of that and the way that you look a fool um, and just lazy and it's just uh, violates so many of my principles. And because I took the time when they happened to really sit in that, that's why now my reputation is as someone who just like overprepares and like it's so hardcore and my whole reputation around being an interviewer is that I come in ultra prepared. So... If you don't sit in the sting of that, it doesn't become part of you. Mm. And so I think that it really is important. Like that's why the very thing that I build my self-esteem around is being willing to sit in that, to really stare at my inadequacies, to really acknowledge that I let myself down and or I let my team down. Mm. Um, and I'm doing that as a way not to hamper myself from getting back up and moving forward, but to make sure that I never want to repeat that, that I don't want to feel that way again, because it's not like some glancing blow and my psychological immune system like deflects and like, yeah. you know, hey, then I move on. And then I don't have that deep seated like fear of doing that again. And I think that's really, really important. In fact, like at the risk of derailing the episode, because I really want to add value here, I think it is really essential that people learn how to self-congratulate and self-punish. And it's one of those things that I, I talk at the surface about a lot, mm -hmm. but I haven't really gone deep into what that looks like and how to do it. Um, That's advanced class. That Oh, straight advanced class. And yep. it's going to get a lot of hate mail. People are going to say you shouldn't punish yourself. And the, and the truth is you absolutely should. All right. There we have it. Those are all the questions I have for today's After Impact. So I think right. we can wrap it up. Cool. Well, guys, I hope that you, if you haven't already, go watch this episode. Ryan Holiday really is, um, I think it was Stephen Pressfield that says that he's one of the greatest thinkers of our generation. I could not agree more. The way that Ryan Holiday looks at the world, breaks problems down, has a highly systematic process of thinking there's just so much to take away from. Absolutely incredible person. And by the way, if you want to know what he's like behind the scenes, off camera, he's such a good dude. Like you would really like him. Uh, so not only is he like wicked smart, he is really cool and is just a great dude off camera. So uh, yeah, check this episode out. I think there's a lot to learn. Go follow Ryan, sign up for his book list, buy his books. They are all amazing. Um, and yeah, that's it. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to make a new attempt to say, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, which is actually over here, I believe. It is not directly down when I point. Right. Uh, in the main episodes, I point down and then a box appears <laughs> pointing over, which I think is over here. So there, click that subscribe button. If this added value, please do share it. And uh, yeah, that's it. Until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. 
everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.